A reading from Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. Two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and say this to the people. Keep listening, but do not comprehend. Keep looking, but do not see. Make the mind of this people dull and stop their eyes and shut their eyes so that they may not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and comprehend with their minds, and turn and be healed. Then I said, How long, O Lord? And he said, Until the cities lie waste without inhabitant, and houses without people, and the land is utterly desolate. Until the Lord sends everyone far away, and vast is the emptiness in the midst of the land. Even if a tenth part remain in it, it will be burned again, like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains standing when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. A reading from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaim to you, which you in turn received, in which also you stand, through which also you are being saved. If you hold firmly to the message that I proclaim to you, unless you have come to believe in vain, for I hand it on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures and that he was buried and that 
he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have come to believe. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, We have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet, if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. A mentor of mine in seminary, a priest from one of the dioceses in the south, tells the story of a priest who came to a parish with a large building, probably seat two or three hundred 
on a Sunday morning, and the parish had dwindled to about 40. 40 faithful few who would come in and sit down and sing the hymns and say their prayers and receive communion and go home. The priest knew that this wasn't a sustainable situation, so she took it upon herself to start knocking on the doors of the neighborhood, and she got a handful of the parishioners to bake some cookies, and she would package up a few cookies, and she would take them to the next-door neighbors, and she would say, we want to reach out to you and greet you and, and let you know we're here, and here, have some cookies. The cookie ministry, it became known, and the church became known in the neighborhood, and before long, the church was filled to the gills on Sunday morning, and there wasn't enough seating for everybody, and those original 30 parishioners were furious with their priest. And so they called the bishop. The bishop sent the canon to the ordinary to the parish, sat down with the vestry and with their rector, and they had a long conversation. The vestry was absolutely livid that she had brought all of these new people into the parish so that there wasn't enough room. The boat, you could say, was sinking as far as they were concerned. So the canons of the ordinary consulted with the rector and went back and spoke with the bishop. And they all agreed the rector couldn't stay there. So the diocese put the rector in charge of congregational development for the diocese. And the parish ended up looking for a new priest. It's the dilemma of today's readings, is it not? A dilemma that goes all the way back to the ancient Israelites and Isaiah being called as a prophet. Isaiah embodied the prophetic ministry because prophets have that unusual task of having to tell people how awful they are in good times and how beloved they are in bad. And if you don't take note of that, that's a very awkward position to be in, regardless of where you find yourself. Isaiah had to say hard things to the ancient Israelites at a time when kings were negotiating with the powers that be in the Middle East. The Assyrians were knocking at the door. The empires of Egypt and Ethiopia at the time were getting ready to roll across what we now call the Holy Land. And Isaiah has to come and tell the people, this is all going to be taken away from you, but that's okay, God still loves you. Good luck with that. Isaiah has to struggle with that for his entire vocation as a prophet to the point at one point God asks him to walk naked in the streets of Jerusalem just to tell the people what it's going to be like under the thumb of empire. It's hard, hard work. But Isaiah was in touch with that ancient wisdom that it is only empty hands 
that can receive the love of God. Only empty hearts that makes room for the coming of our God. Paul had a similar problem in the middle of the first century. He was writing to this little community in Corinth. Now, Corinth was a place at a time when the Roman Empire was at its zenith and there were good roads and lots of trade and lots of ideas being exchanged. Corinth was a place you could buy anything your heart would desire. I mean anything, anything. Your imagination was the only limit. And so the Corinthians, that little fragile marginal community in a place where anything was up for sale, had to wrestle with people coming to their agape feasts and getting drunk. And of course, people who had means were lording it over those who didn't. And yes, there were things going on that we don't talk about in polite company, let alone in a sermon on Sunday morning in the community. And Paul had to write them not one or two, but probably several letters reminding them that the gospel they received had nothing to do with the games of power and sex and wealth that they were playing, but had to rather do with the simplicity of God's love for them and a radical message for a world that was so often obsessed with itself It couldn't hear. It couldn't hear. In today's reading, Paul reminds them there was a time he couldn't hear either. So puffed up was he with his zealotry and his righteousness and his belief in the tradition he had received. He, in fact, had overseen the death of the first martyr of the church, Stephen. Times for Paul had changed, and it began when he was knocked down by the voice of God in Christ, emptied, deprived of his sight for a time even, if you remember the story. And for a man of letters like Paul, that was to be deprived of everything. Paul knew that the gospel is most accessible to those who are emptied, not full. Which, of course, is why we have today's gospel. Simon is the archetype, if you will, of the church. Peter, old Catholic tradition, says so. And Luke probably had that in mind today when he talks about this fisherman who knew what it was like to live on the margins and scrape by. And so when Jesus says, go and put your net down again, Simon is like, oh, God Almighty, I am so exhausted. Really? And yet he relents and does... And of course, in an irony worthy of our God, there are so many fish caught that the boats are sinking. 
Simon doesn't know what else to do except bow down before his new master and say, get away from me. I don't want this, really. Scarcity was a lot easier. I knew what to expect. And now you've come along, and all my expectations are blown to heaven or hell. Take your pick. That's the radical promise of the gospel, my sisters and brothers. And it is our calling to empty ourselves enough that we can leave room for the grace that God has promised us. We embody that, incidentally, every time we approach this table, we put one hand over the other and we come forward for something that our world would not regard as anything of significance. I mean, when was the last time somebody in Southern Marin said, open your hands and I will give you a small piece of bread? Really? That's not enough in our part of the world, is it? But for us, in our radical departure from the ways of the world, say it is more than enough. It is what fills us with life abundant. That is the call. That is the call that goes all the way back to those ancient of days when our spiritual ancestors were filled up so that their ears were stopped up. And our prophetic witness continues, even this day, Our leadership here at Church of Our Savior recently has been wrestling with these questions about how we welcome more people in and how we overcome the culture that we all know. What are you doing in my pew? We like the community the way it is, where we know everybody and have known them for a long time. We like being the small church, don't we? We begin not by talking about what we have been filled with, but by emptying ourselves in order to make room for others and for that other who comes to us with new life. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace.
we hope to greet you in person very soon. <laughs>